but it's very clear, ladies and gentlemen, the slam down in the markets, gold, silver, Bitcoin, and the stock markets is because of the non-farm payroll. The non-farm payroll is not, according to the BLS, according to the horse's mouth, a physical increase of 517,000 jobs. Welcome to Gold Silver Pros. Searching for the best precious metals deal? Shop with our trusted partner, Arc Silver. Access special deals on silver, gold, and platinum through our website, or call 307 264-9441. Everybody, this is Rob Keynes with goldsilverpros.com reporting for the weekly market wrap-up. The title of this one is The Non-Farm Payrolls Number Explosion Explained, and I'm going to explain exactly what that means here in a moment. We're recording this on February 3rd, 2023, timestamp about 1.30 p.m. Central Time. You guys will see this probably either Sunday or Monday. Wow, wow, wow. The markets have reacted to the non-farm payrolls report. Let's get straight into it. Before we do that, we want to quote the gold and silver price. And you guys aren't going to believe it. Gold is down $50.25 at time of this recording today, 1864.86 after being over 1900 for quite some time and beginning uh, the week last week over 1930. Silver now is trading at 22.40, down a dollar eight. Gold is down 2.62%. Silver down almost double, 4. Why is that the case? Well, it was an absolutely blowout week early in February for economic data. Just the way the calendar fell, so much data came out this week. The last couple of days of January and the first couple of days of February, there's a lot to go over. There's a lot less economic data last week. So this week's market wrap-up report, we're going to focus more on economic data and some on the precious metals as well because next week is a much slower week for economic news. We'll get deeper into the precious metals end of it next week on the content, but let's get straight into it. Uh, We're going to go through all the economic data, and then I'm going to spend a lot of time talking about the non-farm payrolls report and why it matters. Starting off on January, we got the employment cost index. It is up a percent. That's actually a little bit less than economists expected to 1.1. And it means while costs are going up to employ people, not quite uh, not quite as high, a little tick below what's expected. So that's positive. We're, we're still seeing weakness in the housing market Two housing market data points for you today. The S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index. That's a national index put out by Case-Shiller, one of the most respected names in looking at the real estate market. It's down 3.1%. That's an increase of loss from last month, which was down 2.8%. As well, the FHFA Home Price Index comes in at negative 1.6% as well. We look at the Chicago Business Barometer, it's 44.3. That is weakening from last month at 45.1. And the Consumer Confidence Index, which tells how consumers feel about the economy, it's a survey, is a 107.1 print. That is 2.4 points below what economists expected at 109.5 and below last month at 109. That's probably because the last two months of the year every year, November and December are a big holiday shopping season. So consumer confidence goes up because they're buying stuff. But now that we're back to reality and having to pay off those credit card bills from Christmas and Thanksgiving, consumer confidence falls. That's a normal pattern. And it shows that consumers maybe not so quite so confident about where the economy is going to begin this year. Rental vacancy rate fell to 5.8%. So there is a vacancy rate, but it's actually improving just a little bit. Now, here's, we're going to get into job or Uh, employment here in a moment, but I wanted to talk about manufacturing, which is continuing to fall. The ISM manufacturing index fell to 47.4. That's a point below what it was last month. The S&P manufacturing 
purchasing managers index, what the purchasing managers view on the economy is, uh, is the same as la- almost the same as last month at 46.9. Not a great number, but at least it hasn't fallen and gotten more pessimistic. Um, construction spending is down 0.4%. Uh, it was expected to be even by economists. So, uh, again, housing data not looking too good. Um, motor vehicle sales actually jumped to 15.7 million, which doesn't surprise because you have the holiday sales. Uh, you have a lot of uh, information coming out on unit labor costs and productivity. Productivity was up 3%, which is good. Unit labor costs were up 1.1%, but that's a blow what people expected. So apparently labor is doing fairly well. Factory orders uh, up 1.8%. So it's good that people are ordering. Now we're going to get into the labor force uh, and uh, job report data. Always uh, the first report that comes out during the week is the ADP employment report. ADP is a private uh, payroll company that has real payroll data. And using that data, they put together a private payroll report. And on that private payroll report, they showed an increase of only 106,000 jobs. That was substantially less than economists' expectations at 190,000. That's 84,000 less than what economists expected to see this month. And wow, it's a lot less than what we saw last month. Last month, we saw 253,000. Now, these are months in arrears. So when I say last month, I mean December. December saw 250,000 increase in jobs, according to ADP's private payroll report. Only 106,000 jobs in January, according to ADP. If we look at other data, initial jobless claims came in at a strong 183,000, which is slightly below what was expected and continuing jobless claims, longer term jobless claims, not the new ones, 1.66 million, about what we saw last month. However, we go to the non-farm payrolls, which is the Bureau of Labor Statistics report, where they look at payroll across the economy for every position other than the farm. And it came at a blowout, 517,000. Economists expected 187,000. And last month we had a positive 260,000. So anyway, you look at it, non-farm payrolls beat last month's increase in jobs by a factor of two, and it beat the expected print by economists for this month by a factor of almost three. It's about 2.7, 2.8. That brings the official unemployment rate down to 3.4%, but it's why that occurred that gets really interesting. If we look at January jobs, uh, average hourly pay came up about 4.4%, which is good. The biggest increase in jobs came in leisure and hospitality, education and health, government and professional business roles, a little bit less in retail trade, uh, transportation, warehousing, construction, manufacturing, and wholesale. Utilities and informational jobs, such as computer and tech, were the only ones to fall. Information fell 5%, utilities 0.7 of a percent. Overall, not too bad. The increase, it says here from the Market Watch article, the number of new jobs created in January rose by 517,000 to mark the biggest gain in six months, suggesting persistent strength in the muscular U.S. labor market, even though the economy has shown signs of fraying. Now, that is a disconnect. If the economy is not doing well, how do we have such a big number? I'll get to you why the number is big and why I don't think uh, it should be uh, having a big effect on the market as it does. The increase in new jobs was much stronger than the 187,000 forecast of economists polled by the Wall Street Journal, which I mentioned. Uh, one caveat, and this is where it gets interesting, the government's formula to adjust for seasonal swings in the hiring sometimes exaggerates employment levels in January. It's unclear whether that was the case in the month, but it wasn't their seasonal adjustment that caused this. The BLS came out and changed the entire platform for how uh, they discussed the jobs. 
So essentially what they did, the BLS uh, yesterday unveiled a slew of data revisions, which including updating the population controls, which would have the mechanical effect of boosting the labor force and updating seasonal factors, which further distorted the January non-farm payrolls number. And they did it for all months. And reading from the BLS report, it says here, revisions due to both the NICS 2022 conversion and the benchmark process affected more historical data than typical in an annual benchmark process. The, the NIC, NAICS, by the way, is an organization which you're, you're a business and following your tax report gives you a, a code for your uh, category of labor. So they just basically track uh, labor categories and things. Well, they also did revisions and they're reflected in the entire history of affected industry for both seasonally and non-seasonally adjusted data. So for example, the total non-farm employment level for March, 2022 was revised upward by 568,000. The average not seasonally adjusted benchmark revision in the past 10 years is 0.1%. This is a 0.3%. So in other words, all they did was do a yearly review of jobs and they basically popped all the jobs for the year to a higher level, even though we didn't create new physical jobs. So that number that you see on the non-farm payrolls report of an increase of 517,000 jobs wasn't an actual increase of 517,000 physical jobs. It was an adjustment to the formula used to create it, which raised all the jobs numbers for the entire year, making them more rosy. So not only did they adjust, seasonally adjust the numbers, but they adjusted the framework up and it's affected all pre previous uh, reporting periods. So the government is now essentially saying that we have a much rosier job situation than before. And I'm going to show, show you some charts that came out with regards to that. So this shows you how they have changed dating back two years, how they've changed the data. This is pre-revision process. So these are all the previous non-farm payroll reporting numbers and post-revision they've increased them by this much. Now, this orange line here tells you how much they've increased. And again, it's just the way they're reporting it. It doesn't mean we actually increased by 517,000 jobs in the economy. They simply changed the formula and got a new number. And a lot of what the job increase was, was actually when they did this was actually in part-time jobs. You can see here in blue that part-time jobs have done very well, especially over the last year and six months specifically, while they revised down full-time jobs. So even though there are more jobs in the economy, most of the jobs are not full-time, they're part-time. And as well, it buried in the data, if you go look at it, a lot of people are taking two part-time jobs because they can't find one full-time job. So there's double counting in the jobs numbers because the BLS cannot accurately for every situation pull out situations where one person is working two part-time jobs. So even though more jobs have been created, they're part-time jobs, for a single person to make up for the lack of full-time employment, which has gone down. And in addition, wanted to remind you that they've changed in addition to double counting part-time jobs to a single person, which comes out in the data. If you look deeper, they as well have revised the entire formula. So most of the jobs in this job rep report are not actually newly created jobs. And again, that's in the BLS data. It it's their report. We're not making this up. This is actually there, but you got to dig deeper. And that's not in the news. What you see in the news are big headline reports of we smashed it. In fact, I want to re, uh, read you a news headline from CNBC. The current job market is a juggernaut, economist says. Here are six things to know. It's not a juggernaut. It hasn't changed that month. They just changed the formula and they're double counting part-time workers. We know that they're doing it now for the market report. Interestingly, everything's being slammed right now. 
And I think what happens is the market participants, the market makers and all the markets know the jobs report is not as rosy, but the mainstream media is reporting as rosy. So you have cognitive dissonance. You have the mainstream me financial media saying it's good to the moon, Alice. And then you see a lot of the analysts trading the market saying eh, that's not good because we see what the BLS did. And the BLS is not hiding. This is not a conspiracy. The BLS said what they're doing and they have announced it. And I think Mr. Market is smarter than the financial media is right now because they seem to be pumping all this increase in jobs and not talking about why uh, the BLS numbers are not quite as rosy as expected. Now, again, part of this happens every January when they make their adjustments and the NICS, CS does this and they report it, some of the seasonal adjustments. But again, they made a major foundational change to the formula itself to count jobs in order to try to find the quote unquote missing jobs that were slack in their report. So it's them trying to account for some of the missing data I think that they're accounting for the missing data, not in the best way, and it's giving a false report. On to the markets again. Dow Jones Industrial Average is down a half a percent today, down 162 points to 33,891.72. The S&P 500 is down about a full percentage point, 44 points to 41.3571. The NASDAQ is down one and a half percentage points. Tech is hitting it hard here because of job losses and job cuts. Uh, they're down 180 points today at 122027, and the Russell 2000 is down 0.79%, 15 points down to 1985.42. So the markets know the reality of the job uh, report. Once they saw the reality, um, the numbers went up to first at the beginning of the morning, and then as people dug in and saw the adjustments that were made that were public, markets going back down. Same thing is happening in the cryptocurrencies, as well as gold and silver, uh, the alternative money options. Uh, Bitcoin is down 402 points. That's a one negative 1.69 percent change to 23.411 at time of this reading. Again, at about 1:30 p.m. Central Time on February 3rd, Friday. Ethereum is down 17 points, about 1.06 percent to 16.5840. Uh, Litecoin is down 0.4 to 99.86, and XRP is unchanged as well. As we look at the bond market. Still in yield curve inversion, indicating an oncoming recession. The two-year benchmark short-term treasury is trading at 4.305%. The 10-year is trading at 3.528% for a difference of about 0.8%, give or take. And when, when you're demanding more risk as a bondholder in the short term, that essentially means you see an oncoming recession because normally you would expect more return over the longer term because you don't know what's going to happen and you're holding they're holding your money for longer so you would demand more yield but because the two years at a higher rate, people are thinking immediate recession. So they're demanding more yield to go for the short term issuance. That's what's going on in the market. We're going to go over to the gold report. So I'll go back to the share screen here. Of course, gold is taking a dump on the day. Uh, 1877.60 on the CME Group's website. Goldprice.org has it 1864. Because of the volatility, you're going to see a little bit of difference in price. It's just the data feeds. But you see a lot of dumping today on the uh, or yesterday on the 2nd of February or a lot of activity leading up to uh, the non-farm payrolls report. Now, we don't have the trading data for today yet because we're in the middle of the day. We'll get it at the end of the day and we'll we'll see and we'll cover that next markly market weekly market wrap up report. We'll cover what happened to gold, what actually happened give you the play by play as a result of non-farm payrolls. But because that data is printed in arrears, we can't do it right now. I'll get to it. As we look at the data, we can see that April is the dominant contract month for gold here. We've had 392,499 
open contracts. You also see some other months starting to formulate as well. June looks like the next bigger month. It's adding some, some data. So is August, but April is where the prices are determined right now. That's Thursday's data. If we go back a day, you can see the dominant trade, almost 400,000 contracts, big trade also on the April. If we look at exchange for physical and gold, 2000 contracts almost on Wednesday went from um, the US market over to London in an arbitrage play. Uh, and here uh, on the COMEX, we had 1,569 deliveries. Now, in the early part of every month, uh, where there is metal to be delivered, they will deliver. February doesn't have a lot of contracts. There's only 6,000 contracts for February. So for February deliveries, I don't expect them to be robust, but just know the beginning of every month is when the physical traders go in and say, give me physical. They do it at the beginning of every month. So the first three or four days of the month uh, are going to be where you get most of your physical deliveries. Looking at Thursday's data, robust deliveries of 4,239 gold contracts and a massive amount of 7,500 exchange for physicals from Comex over to London. Looking at the settlement data to get the price, we're looking at early Friday data. They do on the settlement data print this a little bit more real time. So we do get some inkling of what's going on today. You can see the $54 drop, the average settlement price of 1876 on 155,000 traded contracts. And if we look at Thursday's data, it was only down 12 bucks and it traded at about 193080 on the dominant month in April, 261. So look at this number here. You had only falling 12 bucks. Uh, you had 1930 gold, really healthy, and you had 261,000 contracts. If you look at what's already been traded today, we're only about two thirds of the way through the trading day here in the US. We've got a robust amount of contracts traded and a huge fall. That's what's happening to gold. Let's look at what's happening in the physical market. We cover this every week. We look at uh, Nick Laird's Gold Charts RS and we take a look at what's going on in physical inventories. I love this table because it gives me a good way to kind of separate out a couple of markets. Comex is the US market. Most of these ETFs are the London market, not all. Some of this is US or other storage, but the majority of it is, especially GLD and uh, SLV when we get to the silver version of this table. And so what we like to do is run down this and tell you what's going on physically. It tells you about physical movements of the gold and silver across the world between the various big exchanges. That lets us know where the gold is flowing, where the spice is flowing, as they say, in the dune world. And the spice must flow, the physical must flow. So it tells you where it's flowing and where it's held. And we find this to be very interesting. If you look up here in the COMEX, we've had a decrement of about, oh, 1.4 million ounces over four weeks. This is a four-week change. If you look at a daily change, we've actually had an influx into COMEX of about 200,000 ounces, which is actually kind of nice to see. But over four weeks, we had about 1.3 million come out. And it looks like the ETFs are about, about even because that added to London is about the same number. So we've had net net even on the London market in terms of gold flows over the last four months. If we look at SBDR and draw these charts down here, we've had a little bit right here. If you can see this just on the end, a little bit of reflow into uh, the London market for gold, into that EDF, the GLD. This is the GLD chart, uh, GLD. But overall, it's come down since January of uh, 2021, two years ago, when we had the silver squeeze movement. And so overall, liquidity has decreased across the world on the major exchanges substantially over the last two years. Moving over to silver, looking at volume chart, uh, this should look at yesterday. And yes, that is what we're seeing the 2nd of February. So higher, much higher volume in silver yesterday. And so I do expect to see something interesting on the data. March is a dominant contract for silver. Remember, they're not always the same for gold and silver. December is its end of year, but then gold and silver, the physical delivery months, the, the large traded months 
uh, are different throughout the year for gold and silver. So silver's lining up for March, whereas gold's lining up for April. You can see the open interest, 105,000 contracts yesterday. And you can see exchange for physical 1,600 contracts over to London with only 45 deliveries for February for the silver market. That was on Thursday. If we look back on Wednesday, we can see still heavy trading in March. 105,278 contracts. You can see a little bit of buildup for May, the next big contract month for silver. You had 978 contracts go there and then 275 for December already. Somebody's already making their December, you know, 11th month bet on silver in their positioning already. But this is the month which really determines the spot price as close as we can get to it. The exchange for physicals over the London market was 600 and only four deliveries. If we go over to the settlement data for silver and see what's going on, we have the early Friday settlement data for the March contract. 46,069 closed, down a buck 21 for silver, down to 22.40 settling. The price is about 22.45. We look at yesterday's data Thursday. Again, March was a dominant month, 112,000. We had a little bit of activity here in May as well, but most of it was really in March and it was up six pennies to 23.61. So all because this was up and because in gold, it wasn't down as much on Thursday, we know what the culprit is. Gold and silver were okay, slightly down yesterday on Thursday. But when then, when you get to the Friday data, this is where you get the dump in gold of 53.90, you see right here, and you get the dump in silver. Sorry, guys, I clicked the wrong button. If you get the dump in silver on Friday's data, as well as $1.21. So it is the non farm payrolls, which had a direct effect on the metals. There's nothing else that came out in the news geopolitically or economically in the last day. So the non farm payrolls has smashed. The precious metals that is the only explanation that we can possibly come to and so that explains it and that's what we're putting out on social media going over to nick laird's gold charts or us for silver we can see that the comex over the last four weeks has lost about two million ounces give or take i'm sorry that's about almost 20 million ounces in fact that would be about 18 and a half almost 19 million ounces have flowed off of uh, all areas of the COMEX registered are eligible over the last four weeks. And over the last day, about 546,000 ounces. If we look at what's going on here in London, we've actually seen a massive inflow. And where was that? SLV. So as I showed before, SLV is getting the majority of the investment into physical silver. That's because passive investors are coming back. Passive investors are coming back to invest in a generalist fund for silver, not actually getting access to the physical, but just putting money in their por qualified portfolios. And they come into SLV and you're seeing that big uptick. And you see on the chart, there's been some uptacks here. You see a little bit of wrestling going on in silver. I'm drawing right down here, right here. This is the wrestling in the silver market. Some wants to come back in. Overall, it's fallen since silver squeeze of two years ago. The two-year trend is down. But right here, they're wrestling with some more uh, physical coming back into the market. And that's because silver had gotten frothy. It went up to what, 24, almost $25 range. And since people are selling some silver and it's coming back on to the market, and over here, we're looking at the iShare Silver's Trust SLV fund flows. And you can see that most of that happened back in January 23rd, where a lot of fund flows came into SLV. Now we've started to see some weakness. So we, we think that some of that silver could start flowing out of SLV because the three-day pattern here is for it to flow out a little bit. But this was a nice little surge. And if you look at a three-year chart, uh, this is silver squeeze right here. So we had about a third on January 23rd this year, two years later of money flowing to SLV, of what uh, went into SLV during silver squeeze. That's when silver last approached the $30 mark. So that's why silver popped to about $24.50 and not to $30. But now we see weakness. If we go back to monthly chart, we see weakness in the last three days. 
And that's why silver price is coming down. People are kind of pulling a little bit out of silver. Now, I'm still waiting on the LBMA market in London to update their vault holdings data. This is the physical data. I don't see it updated. We still have the December numbers. You see uh, November here and December. And so we still have the December numbers of silver still 840 million ounces. Uh, I'm assuming in the next few days, they're going to put out the January numbers as they get those compiled. And we'll see another bar appear on the chart. And we'll see if data, if silver is still, physical silver is still continuing to flow off of the London market. We don't know what the case may be there, but it's very clear, ladies and gentlemen, the slam down in the markets, gold, silver, Bitcoin, uh, bond, well, bonds were changed a little bit, but not much. Mostly um, gold, silver, Bitcoin, and the stock markets is because of the non-farm payroll. The non-farm payroll is not, according to the BLS, according to the horse's mouth, a physical increase of 517,000 jobs. It is one, a yearly adjustment in how the numbers are seasonably uh, calculated, which happens every January. And every January, it tends to make non-farm payrolls more rosy because of the seasonal adjustment. But in addition to that yearly seasonal adjustment, there was a one-time change in the actual calculation structurally of the data that was then revised back across the last couple of years data and that probably is not going to happen all the time, but according to economists, that's not a completely legitimate number. In fact, I think we have um, we have a report from a market analyst about why that's not true and why I wanted to read it to you. Uh, and this is a quote from a Zero Hedge article, and this is what Bloomberg chief economist Anna Wong said about the January jobs report. It says. The January jobs report showed extremely robust growth, higher than the highest estimate in the Bloomberg survey. If it seems to be too, too good to be true, that's because it is too good to be true. The gain is mostly due to seasonal factors and revisions to past data. The Fed likely won't place too much weight on this report in formulating policy. I'm going to read that back to you again because you're not going to hear this other places. You'll hear it here first, which is why you want to come to this channel to listen to my weekly market reports, because I will tell you the full and encompassing truth about stuff. Please don't listen to the blurbs from the mainstream financial media without doing further research and coming here and getting that. Let's read that quote again. This is what Bloomberg chief economist Anna Wong said about non-farm payrolls. The January jobs report showed extremely robust growth, higher than the highest estimate in the Bloomberg survey. If it seems too good to be true, that's because it is too good to be true. The gain is mostly due to seasonal factors and revisions to past data. The Fed likely won't place too much weight on this in formulating economic policies. So for those of you who may see the jobs report and think that the Fed may become, uh, may not increase their rate hikes as much and may become a little softer, don't expect that the Fed understands the BLS revisions. The mainstream financial media has not as of yet caught up to this. Maybe by the time that you guys see this on Sunday, a couple of days after we record it, Everybody else will have reverse course and understood that we haven't actually created 517,000 new jobs. But in any case, that's what's going on. Also, geopolitically, there's one thing going on as well. It appears as though uh, German tanks are now heavy artillery is being moved over to Ukraine and we're getting into the entrenchment warfare and the really grinding part of warfare in Russia, Ukraine. And it also appears that NATO is continuing its additional support for what's going on over there. So that war has not stopped. And that is an additional factor weighing on the markets. 
That's about going to do it for today, guys. Remember to stay tuned weekly for the weekly market wrap-up where we're going to talk about the economic data points. We're going to talk about the main stories of the week. We're going to break down the individual numbers for you, and we're going to give you that gold and silver report. And we do this like nobody else does, and that's why you want to do it. It's free. It's about 20 minutes. And this really will help you get started on your week. It'll help you understand what happened last week. It'll give you a preview for next week, and this will help you in all of your trading and financial activities. Until next time, this is Rob Keats for Gold Silver Pros. Hey, thanks for watching. We selected these videos just for you. Check them out. And remember, $4.99 a month keeps the lights on and the channel going. So join our Gold Silver Pro supporter membership. We appreciate your support. Keep stacking.